This is the daily lectionary comments for Thursday of Easter 4. We're going to look at Leviticus chapter 17 that speaks of, of, um, of blood and its significance. And also Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 23, we'll look at the Good Samaritan, Mary and Martha. An extremely important verse, not only in Leviticus 17, but in, frankly, in the entire scripture, is Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the life. Now, ancient pagan sacrifices usually had the idea either of manipulating the gods to make the crops grow, or another very common understanding was to feed the gods. Sacrifices were offered so that the gods could eat. There was nothing even remotely like this in uh, the law of Moses. The Lord doesn't eat these things. He doesn't need these sacrifices. And we don't bring them to him because he has any need at all. Actually, the purpose of sacrifices in the Old Testament is not the benefit of God, but so that God may benefit the people who bring the sacrifices. The voluntary sacrifices like the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and the grain offerings are there so that God may uh, show his blessing upon the person who brings it and and, uh, uh, and and the person may know that they have a gracious God and that God has accepted them and they are in communion with, with God. It is for their blessing that they may have access to their God. Those are for the voluntary uh, the, uh, sacrifices, but then also for the atoning sacrifices. And I should say that all the sacrifices, it didn't matter what kind of sacrifice you had, had an aspect to it uh, that was an atonement uh, feature. And the atonement feature of every sacrifice, that is every sacrifice that involved an animal, concerned the blood. The blood was to be drained from the animal. The blood was to be applied to the altar. The blood is what made atonement. And for this reason, especially, the blood is a focus in Leviticus chapter 17, and we, and we have it explained here why this is so significant. The people are not to offer sacrifices or, or ritually kill animals out in the fields. There's only one place that one may offer a sacrifice. That's at the tabernacle or the temple. That's where God has provided for the use of the blood to provide for atonement on the altar. And people were never supposed to use the blood of animals sort of in, in a way to give themselves power or to tap into mysterious spiritual forces uh, or anything like that. The, 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 the life of the animal was in the blood and God had given the life of the animal to make atonement for us. And therefore, the blood is to be handled as a sacred kind of a thing and given back to God. It is not to be consumed. It is not to be employed for any kind of magic purposes or any kind of unauthorized way. The blood is provided for atonement 
That atonement is so that God may bless us and we may be uh, restored to him, but it can only be used in the place and in the manner and by the people that God has authorized it. Any other way of using blood is to take something that God has given for our great blessing that we may be restored and forgiven our transgressions and healed. God has given uh, blood for that purpose. Any other way of using it is to treat it <coughs> as something utterly different and to not recognize at all the, the sacredness of this thing that God has done for us. There's nothing about blood that in and of itself has power. Why this has power is because of God's word. Very much like we might say, the water of baptism is plain water until you add to it the word of God. And once the word of God says, this water shall be a, a life-giving bath, then the water is transformed by virtue of the word of God. There's nothing intrinsic or natural about blood that it should perform any of these great things until the word of God says, I have given the blood to you for atonement at the altar. And that and only that is the appropriate use of blood. And we should respect um, what, what Moses is telling us here is we must respect in how we offer sacrifices and how we deal with the blood. We must respect this very profound gift that God has made and the sanctity of this blood for that reason. Okay, now regarding the Good Samaritan, there, there's um, the common way that this is interpreted is sort of moralistic terms. The, the Good Samaritan gives us a lesson on how we ought to treat other people, especially people that wouldn't like us. So the Samaritan would be hated by the Jew that's there by the side of the road, but the Samaritan doesn't care, and the Samaritan does what's right for for this uh this poor victim uh jew and and he picks him up and binds up his wounds and he takes him to an inn and he even agrees to pay whatever's left over uh when he, when he leaves um and so so that you know you should do like what the samaritan did now i i guess that's true but there's something deeper that jesus is teaching here that doesn't really change that meaning but adds some depth to it and that's this that Jesus is telling this parable and casting himself in the role of the Samaritan. In other words, he's the one that has come to his own people, the Jews, but they hate him. They don't want him. And yet they are wounded and lying by the side of the road, as it, as it were, beaten up uh, because of their sins and their rebellions and so forth. Now, God has sent his son and his son is hated by them. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. And yet Jesus dies for them. He binds up their wounds. He calls them by the gospel to be healed. Let's think about the, the uh, sending out of the 72 and how Jesus is doing that very thing. He's calling those who don't even like him to be redeemed uh, in the kingdom of God and to enjoy the Messianic um, uh, era. So Jesus is casting himself as one hated by the nation, but who dies for the nation and who heals the nation. And then uh, it, it, even the little bit about how the, the, you know, the Samaritan says to the innkeeper here, here's some coins uh, and this, this should cover it. And if he, if 
if if anything more is owed when i come back i'll pay it then and that idea of, of the Samaritan going away and then coming back again is reminiscent of other parables that Jesus tells about a master of a house who leaves the servants in charge and then goes away and then comes back again, or the owner of a vineyard uh, who, who leaves and then comes back again. So I want you to consider the Good Samaritan not just as a moralistic tale, but as a tale about Christ and the nature of Christ, how he has loved those who did not care for him, who did not love him back. And yes, in the sense that we should do what Jesus does, then this is also a, 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 a lesson in morality for us as well. But that's not the most important part of it. Jesus, strangely, is the Samaritan here who is coming to help these Jews.